Hello, welcome to Creating Portland. I'm your host, Pearson Coons, and on this podcast, I'll be interviewing progressive creators who are using their art to shape the culture of our city and beyond. I hope you enjoy this episode of Creating Portland. Hello, everybody. Welcome back for another episode. We are here with an exciting guest whose name is Honey, and she is a queer femme artist, speaker, activist, and coach. Her work is an exploration in stories of the body and its emotional processing. Originally from Chicago, she's found the perfect stage for exploring resistance in the body while living in Portland. Welcome, honey. I am so excited to get into this. Yay, me too. Um, let's, yeah, I, let's start broad. And within this broad, can we sort of define what these things mean? I mean, they're very enticing ideas of exploring resistance in the body. But um, what does that look like for you? So how are you creating Portland? Yeah, um, so I... It's really funny to think about like Portland as a backdrop. This interview kind of forced me Mm. to like think about it that way. Um, And I I actually was talking with my partner last night being like, how do I use Portland? Like, that's really weird. And they were like, you perform all over the city. Like, what What are you talking about? (laughs) Um, And especially now that things are so different and I Mm. um, have a very different lifestyle. Like I don't work a nine to five anymore. Um, for the first time in like my whole life, I don't have a like solid full-time job that I'm committed to um, during the day. So I can actually go out into like spaces in Portland and find points Mm. to sort of explore things going on in my body and then also how the environment maybe affects them. Um, One of the places I was just at was the Southwester, which is in Washington state, but still I feel like very near and dear to a Portlander's heart. Mm -hmm. Um, I did a residency there and sort of explored uh, kind of environmental grief, specifically around like grieving the last year in the body. Mm. Um, And then also married that with like my own work around grieving and sort of sifting through what that's like which is has been wild (laughs) yeah that sounds very intense to explore especially right now are you what have you come to in this i mean i'm sure all of us are like how do we grieve right now so did you did you come to any profound realizations um i mean i don't know if they're profound but I will say that <laughs> um, one of the things that was really funny to me when I sat down to kind of like start planning this, like when I create something um, for the body, I sort of sometimes start with like journaling and ways I might like think about something and try to like bring a little bit of that, like in the essence to like the movement that's kind of coming mm-hmm. out. Um, and I started journaling and I was like, I actually don't know what, grief feels like like aside from and it it sort of stemmed from losing um a grandfather that i was really really close to like i don't know four years ago i think um and sort of reconciling this inability to say goodbye to him in the way that i wanted to um Mm. you know if you follow me on social media you might find out all the family drama behind it but like (laughs) very like (laughs) um just weird little uh, eccentricities about you know people's families and and reconciling this 
a inability to say goodbye. Um, and then realizing that like, I actually have experienced grief in very different ways. Um, and one of them is also around like saying goodbye to this liver after my liver transplant and like, mm. um, and then, yeah. So it's just been like this weird process of like sifting through a lot of things. Um, and I think, so to answer your question in a very long winded way, <laughs> it's that <laughs> I talk like a dancer. I like, we don't, we can't think linear. Mm. It's weird, uh, you know, um, or maybe it's Aquarius. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> I really want to normalize, and I've been seeing a lot of this conversation happening, is normalizing like how to uh, notice grief every day. Like grieving is a process, right? It's mm. just like dealing with how do we deal with uh, anger or how do we deal with being sad or like depression. And I think grief is part of that and nobody wants to talk about it because I think right. grief is so, I like to think of it as slippery um, oh. and wet. So I've kind of used a lot of imagery of myself in and around water and in like my own bathtub um, as sort of this, this like visual sort of like, you're either sh literally showered or like immersed in grief or it's just like mm. evaporating and like falling off of you. Like when you get out of a shower and like water just kind of falls. Mm. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's so interesting to explore these things through sensations rather than, I mean, we've had a lot of writers on, we've had filmmakers yeah. and theater artists, and it's exciting to talk to someone who's exploring it in such a physical way that I think we don't account for in our culture and our society and in Portland that we also need to externalize our feelings and our grief through our bodies beyond just our words, beyond just our creations. So that's exciting to yeah. see that you're creating that here. And so what, so in a way you were saying earlier that you're going to different places in Portland and those are informing your pieces and informing your exploration. Mm -hmm. So in a way kind of Portland is helping you create this exploration and so what have you found in terms of exploring here specifically um i think there's a lot of kind of internalizing my own journey here in portland like i moved here at the mm. end kind of mid to end of my 20s um like i'm 37 now i think i moved here when i was like i guess 27 i've been here about 10 maybe 11 years and mm -hmm. uh noticing the like the different changes in the way the city has not just developed in terms of like you know these like big huge high rises um that we all have lots of lots of feelings about right um <laughs> on a on a ton of different levels like but um but also just the way that like people like the people coming here have changed people living here have changed and shifted um i think that there is I always loved to say that Portland is where relationships come to die. Um, I moved Ooh. here with somebody and we broke up within a year. I knew like other people in my circle that had done the same thing or like, you know, here's, you hear stories of people being like, I moved to Portland and broke up with my partner. And it's like, mm. I don't necessarily feel that blanketly, but like, I definitely feel like there <laughs> is some truth to it. So I was like, don't move to Portland if you're in a relationship. <laughs> And why do you think that is? Or is it just the culture of the city? Is there any sort of realizations you've come to around that? Yeah, I think that there, for certain people, um, 
you know, I will say I have learned a ton since moving to Portland, both like as both like in terms of myself and then also like socially um, as someone who would consider themselves an activist. I would never call myself that prior to living here. Um, Mm. I moved from Chicago, which is a very interesting and segregated city. It's also the Midwest. So there's, Mm -hmm. you know, I think there was definitely a lot more um, like I've done most of my work of unpacking like all of it, uh, racism, homophobia, transphobia, like anything that I have had in like learned just there um, in my own self, like has really kind of come to the surface and been unpacked in really lovely and like messy, (laughs) terrible ways here Mm -hmm. in Portland. And I think that I think that there's something about using little points in the city that um, either mean something or don't at all. Um, have really helped inform how I move my body and like what what tends to come out of those those mm. movements, be it intentional or not. Yes, and sometimes art is unintentional and art yeah. is creation is unintentional, which is interesting too. Yeah. But um, I want to, you mentioned that you now identify as an activist, which you hadn't before. Yeah. And so I want to kind of get into that where in terms of how you were creating Portland, what kind of, how do you consider your art activism in the city? Um, so there is, I mean, I could go on for hours about this, but I feel like there is an interesting um, uh so kind of unconscious bias almost that may not be the right word but it's the it's the thing that comes up for me but there's like an unconscious thought i think about art that involves physical bodies that you can't edit or manipulate or mm. change to what you might like right like photography you can kind of edit manipulate use filters um film you could do the same thing Um, You can use angles, right, in all of that to kind of get Mm -hmm. this, like, look of the way a body looks. And I think that there's something really special about, um, like, live theater and and dance that you don't get in a lot of other uh, artistic practices. And I think that there's something really raw about that. Um, And I also think that it uh, has a weird, like... I think that folks are hesitant to come to art like that, Um, Mm. you know, in a way it like, it's this thing of like, you can't fully reconcile like what you're seeing on stage because you don't have control over what it looks like. It just is what it is. Like you see it and you might see it through a specific lens or like from where you're sitting, but it's like, you have no control over manipulation of it. It is all what the performer and the creator want you to see. Um, and I think that there is, that there's something really, uh, um, uh, challenging about that and really like Mm. disruptive, um, that unfortunately I think a lot of folks miss out, um, because they get intimidated by that. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, there's there's a lack of mediation there between the artist and the audience. Mm -hmm. And it's like the uh, the brain of the artist goes through this mediation in a lot of art forms and then arrives at the audience. And then for dancers and these live performers, it's like you're looking at the brain of the artist. They are right in front of you. And the experience you're having with that artist is exactly as it is for them, too. There is no sort of 
mediation and no sort of separation of the artist from the art physically. Mm-hmm. Um, which is so fascinating to think about because I work in film and those kind of mediums where there is such heavy emphasis on mediation and editing and manipulating like you're describing. Yeah. Um, ugh, riveting. I could talk about this forever. I know. <laughs> um, but let's let's zoom out a little bit beyond just your work with yeah. your body and grief and exploring emotions. So let's zoom out then beyond just your personal work with movement and grief and exploring emotions through your body and talk about Portland art as a whole and your experience within that ecosystem and what have you found to work in the Portland art scene as a movement artist and what have you found to maybe not work as well that we need to improve on as an artist yeah I think I mean I think the biggest thing for me that I notice and I think some of it is that I uh am friends with you know certain folks and I I see a lot I Okay, I'm just going to go there. I see a lot of misogyny and, <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, I, obviously racism is there. Like, we're Portland. We can't ignore it. It's like, it's real deep mm. in. Um, we like to think that we're not, and we all know that we are. <laughs> but, like, but I do think that there is this um, really interesting uh, allowance for misogyny in uh, mm. Portland art. And I think that it is everywhere, right? Like, I mean, we've got the gorilla girls like constantly making noise and disrupting things in that way. Like it, it happens all the time and everywhere. Um, but I also have been a burlesque performer, um, since I moved mm. to Portland and was in that community. Um, and I always found myself somehow shocked and amazed when I should never have been <laughs> of like, how easy it is for male burlesque performers to come into the scene and just like get a lot of attention um, and and sort of not do a lot of work like for that. Mm. Um, And, you know, there's an imbalance and and it's always there and it always increases based on like, you know, uh, race and uh, body size and type and all of that. Like that is all wrapped into it, right? Um, I do think that there is, I, I, I feel like, and perhaps I think also having been in Chicago when I was younger and still in college, there's probably some stuff I didn't really see and, and also probably didn't notice. Cause again, I unpacked a lot of stuff living here. It really mm-hmm. like moving to Portland really kind of shifted how I saw a lot of things. Um, shout out to my friends that asked me to do better and like demanded it and, and like, mm-hmm. <laughs> love y'all. Um, but, but I think that, um, yeah, it's, it's in a way that I have never really seen or noticed, um, in, at least on the surface in, I think some other communities, I think that there are, um, just a lot of entry points for folks that, um, are male identified. And that, you know, that definitely does not include our non-binary and trans community. I think that they have a lot of similar um, challenges, but there are certainly a lot of uh, cis male folks getting lots of, lots of FaceTime. And I think that there is some reckoning that needs to be done there. And I also, um, you know, I, I think that there is a lot of art that a lot of folks are missing out on. Um, Mm. 
the other thing, I mean, and this is something that is really interesting to me and um, you may have a different perspective on it. And I'm so curious to know if you feel this way, but <laughs> I also feel like Portland has a really interesting love affair with classical art. Like, like ballet is really mm. strong here in a way that it wasn't. Um, where in like the circles that I came from, I feel like I've sort of had to really like dig and sift to find a community of modern and contemporary dancers that are not involved in the ballet world. And I feel the same way about, mm -hmm. you know, like symphony and orchestra is really popular here. And just, yeah, there's like this real hang on to classical, like the classical form of any art. I think that that is really interesting to me. Yeah, I've noticed I mean, the way I would describe it is just like Portland loves comfortable art. Yes. And there's not, I don't get the sense that there's a lot of like innovation and edginess happening, which is why I sort of wanted to create this podcast and interview progressive, interesting artists that are, that are making those contemporary new things because I know it's happening. It Like you're saying though, it doesn't feel like it's in the mainstream. It doesn't feel like a priority for Portland in the way that it should yeah. in like other cities I've been to. Like I studied art in New Orleans, which is a totally different scene, which is both based in like ancient forms and like hundreds of year old art forms, but then also like super innovative and edgy and creating things that are totally new that I've never seen before. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think Portland really likes to be comfortable in its art and things like the classics sort of reassure us that, yeah, it's going to be exactly what it was last time. And I want it to be exactly what it was last time because that is what I want to see is the same thing every time, which to yeah. me is boring, but I guess audiences will pay for it. They eat it up. I don't get it. I've been to a couple yeah. uh, performances of some of the like ballet companies here that do things that are a little different than just like, you know, your classic ballet. And I find them kind of boring and kind of... I don't know, without <laughs> a lot of substance. Um, well, it's really not rewarded. Like it's not yeah. rewarded both capitalistically and just culturally. There's not a lot of reward for pushing the boundary, which is interesting because mm -hmm. we pride ourselves on being weird Portland or like keep yes. Portland weird. But I come back and I'm like, how weird is this? Like it doesn't feel super weird to me. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. And I mean, and it also shows too in the um, I think there's a really big surge right now that is happening and I want it to continue happening and get even bigger. But I think that artists of color here are really mm. undervalued and under, uh, you know, like not noticed. Um, like, you know, Ori Art Gallery is something that uh, is, it's just so special. And I, I know the folks personally that like run it um, and I, feel like it is getting noticed in places that are not Portland. And it's really uh, mm -hmm. a bummer. Like it's a huge bummer. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you look at the classics, the classics don't have people of color as a part no. of them. So if we, <laughs> as you're describing, yeah. you're observing that people love the classics and then it's like, why can't we incorporate more new voices and more like less traditionally represented yeah. perspectives and artists in there too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's what a, a challenge. Wild. And then it is wild and daunting, <laughs> but I think, I don't know, we'll keep exploring it on this podcast at the very least. Um, and then so what is working for you or what keeps you creating in Portland as a movement artist? Um, I think 
the the drive to keep creating is really like a personal one and i think that that's also super important as an artist you know like i think that there is something to be said for folks who uh have a lot of recognition and get noticed and i also think that behind those folks is really is like a lot of drive and a lot of passion and a lot of um commitment and also maybe a little bit of you know i definitely at least for myself i'll only speak for me but a little bit of crazy like i always joke that my head mm -hmm. is a terrifying place to be um but like weird dreams is where a lot of stuff comes from um mm -hmm. and, and and I think that, um, you know, for me, it is really all about always returning to my body and sort of this this idea that I have always um, believed in, like a teacher in college said this is like, the body on stage is an act of political resistance every time. Mm. Like no matter what, you can have a body just standing there and it is an act of political resistance. Like there are just some really, um, you know, not to go back to the classics, but if we, you know, if we think of someone like um, uh, Yvonne Rainier, who did the dance chair pillow with Diana Ross's, mm. uh, I think it was It's Rain and Men, but it's like a disco song and this choreography where folks are in folding chairs with pillows and just like doing very mundane kind of pedestrian movements um, mm. in an attempt to sort of remove um, uh, the lens of objectification. <laughs> Mm. And I don't think it works because people always are like, look at that person's calf. Like, it, <laughs> you know, so it's, a, it's like a very, it's a very interesting thing. But I, I think that stuff like that is really, um, for me, what really drives it. Like I, I, mm. you know, I make a point to get moving every day and create something, even if it turns into nothing. Mm. Um, and I think that, you know, Part of me is like that's so cliche, but I think it really does work, and I, I, I truly feel like, you know, the quote "good art" <laughs> is really found everywhere and anywhere, and mm. uh, you know, it, it's it's all around. And for me, it's all about just continuing to look. And I, um, you know, if if nothing happens with my work and it's just like found someday, and people are like, "Wow, that was weird," like I, I've still done my job, like. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And I think a lot of people in Portland, like there is truly so much creation happening and so many creators and artists that maybe aren't aiming for this sort of public recognition mm -hmm. too, which we need to hold space for them too. And it's, yeah. I think it is exciting to live in a city where so many people are just making things to make them. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, uh, it's super beautiful and wonderful. Um, there was actually something that, I don't know if you saw it, but at Peninsula Park, um, Spellbound Flowers had put a little like floral heart um, with little Ooh. like options to write notes for grieving um, right around the one year mark of COVID. It was literally like the, the one year to the day. So like mm. March, what, 12th or something. Um, and I, <laughs> I had this great idea where I was like, oh my gosh, my piece about grief, I'm gonna go there and like film something myself moving like in front of it. Um, mm. Definitely missed the chance. Um, they like took it away in the middle of the night. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, so I like missed the opportunity, but um, I created my own little one that like is now on my Instagram and I'm probably gonna figure out how to create some mm. more, but just like making it, like it was so 
lovely. And I had kind of had this idea of like figuring out how to move with flowers. I think there's something, mm. you know, like the connection of like, you give people flower arrangements for funerals, which are really weird. And like, but then also like how quickly flowers die and, and just all this, all this stuff around them um, really kind of spoke to me. And it's little, little things like that, where I'm like, that is the kind of art that like that little floral arrangement is this small right. piece of public art that was kind of, I think even a little bit accidental, like it was part of a bigger thing. Mm. It's like, um, I think it's like flower hearts or something. And it's an account on Instagram. People are doing it all over the country, but oh. yeah, but it's like, it's just so cute. And it's, yeah, it's like that moment where one artist somehow meets another, like through not a lot of connection and you just like mm. can spark something magical, even if, the actual thing is like a different, you know, two different creations. Oh, that, yeah, that sounds beautiful. <laughs> I want to see it whenever it does happen. Um, okay. And so then our final question and segment is just what is your hope for the Portland art scene? What is it your dream oh. for Portland post pandemic five years, 10 years, where are we headed? What oh are you gosh. excited for? <laughs> this is our, our future segment. Yeah. Um, you know, I am excited for uh, artists of color to keep booming and creating mm -hmm. things and challenging um, Portland. I think that they are so important um, you know, between the work that we're seeing in like the the murals that are popping up um, from artists of color that people are actually like hiring and paying, which is really great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and, you know, even uh, someone like uh, Anthony Hudson as Carla Rossi, like I know that Anthony has all kinds of shit like up there. <laughs> um, I'm also very excited for the return of queer horror. I think Portland needs it. It's like very important as a queer person who used to go all the time. I miss it. <laughs> um, okay, I'm not familiar. I'm a queer person who's not familiar with queer horror. Please tell us what this <gasps> is for the guests that don't know. Y'all. Okay. So Anthony Hudson is an indigenous um, artist and maker, creator, like wonderful human being. Um, we actually used to have a podcast together. <laughs> okay. Um, but Anthony is is wonderful. And they created um, this, this event called Queer Horror at the Hollywood Theater. And it's a little fun drag like pre-show with really incredible performers. And then there, mm. and all the pre-shows are kind of like a, a little like parody on whatever the movie is. Um, and then they screen a film. Uh, so like, oh. yeah. Um, and some of them are not directly horror films, but they really speak to the horror genre, which is something that is commenting on popular mm. culture and kind of a, you know, the grotesque, um, again, like disruptive and kind of like hits you in that sore spot kind of way. Um, mm -hmm. Like they screened uh, Batman. Is it Batman Returns with uh, Catwoman? Yeah, it's Batman Returns, I think. Um, and we did like a, a Catwoman. There was like a Catwoman act as a pre-show. Yeah, before. Oh. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Okay, cool. So you want you want that those that clear needs to come back. Yeah. Experiences. Yes. Yeah. And I think I think just um what I would love to see out of Portland, um, and just every I mean everywhere too, but I, I can't wait to see little pockets of live time based, space based performances popping up mm. everywhere. Um 
you know, I, so my college um, was a postmodern arts college, really like weird and everyone was very pretentious. But one thing that I, <laughs> one thing that really stuck with me was uh, German choreographers post-World War II were okay. and all like I I really think that all German art post World War II is fucking wild and incredible. Some of it's you know there's always some not so much gems, but I think that it's all really incredible because of this really traumatic thing that happened to this entire to right. that entire country. And I think we are on the verge of something like that. Mm. You know, like I have a lot of thoughts about like Little Nas X's new video, but I also think that that is just like a taste of some shit we're gonna see. Oh, sorry, I don't know if I can swear on this, but <laughs> oh, go off. Um, <laughs> yes, no, I agree. It's really signaling a really interesting sort of. I I mean I don't want to say Renaissance too early, but I'm like, whoa, yeah. we are headed in an interesting direction to sort of grieve this. Yeah, I I think so, and I think that there is gonna be some wild stuff that comes out that will be really special and, and really um, worth noting. Um, And I think that Mm -hmm. includes pop culture too. Like I, you know, in going to a a postmodern art school, there was a lot of poo-pooing of pop culture, but I actually think that pop culture is amazing um, and really fantastic. Like I love pulling it apart and dissecting it and also just enjoying it for what it is like, Give me a Bravo reality TV show any day. I love it. I'll also rip it to shreds. Like it is so fun for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm. I think that is what Portland really needs, and I hope that we see it. Mm. And I hope that we see a lot of it around this like trash ass mayor we have. Um, <laughs> you know, like fuck Ted Wheeler. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You told me I could go off this and so I started. a political <laughs> podcast. Um, this is a political podcast now, which is great. And um, yeah, no, there is so much. There is grief, like legislatively, politically, covidly, racially, the protests. I mean, we I don't think we've processed that Not in it. any sort of productive way yet. And yeah, it's... It's going to be a wild, wild time when we can all get back together and share art and make art. And yeah, I am riveted. Like, I am at the edge of my seat ready to watch what happens. But yeah, it's going to be bumpy and clumpy and exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait. Like, all, you know, like, I always joke that, like, at queer parties, I'm literally going to start licking people. And I don't even, like, you know, I love me a good queer party, but also, like, I'm in bed by nine. <laughs> I, I like I can't wait right. um but I yeah I just I'm so so ready to just like consume so much work mm. and, and like and see what it can do to this city and even like beyond I think that I think that the whole country is gonna have like I think it's okay to say the word renaissance at this point like I think I I think asking for that <laughs> Yes, it's probably really great that. right like i think that we mm-hmm. deserve that and i think that like specifically millennials have earned it i mean i don't know if okay. you're a millennial as well but i sure am <laughs> and i think we fucking deserve it <laughs> absolutely respectfully I'm to jen i Z. can't wait to see it. <laughs> well okay i am so excited what a what a way what a great note to end on i think let's see where all this goes and what's going to come out of it and 
hopefully it's incredible and hard to handle and helps us heal and yes yeah is exactly what we need even if we don't want it yeah um beautiful well thank you so much for being here honey this was an absolute pleasure and i am so excited to see what you make in this coming time this was um so honey oh thank you we want to let people know where to find you online where is the best way to see these these movement performances how do we get them yeah so i have a patreon um where i update you get to see all kinds of behind the scenes stuff so um and then also certain tiers get like uh creative credits um and you get to help me make decisions on choreography which i think is really freaking cool um so yeah so if you go to patreon yeah patreon slash honey lafleur um okay that's l-e-f-l-e-u-r and um, nice. Instagram is Honey Lafleur PDX. Um, where else? Where else? The Facebooks. I'm like there, but I don't really do a whole lot. So like Instagram is definitely <laughs> Instagram and Patreon are the way to go. Um, and then perfect. Also, yeah. And then my my coaching um, work is all body movement based. Um, and again, mm. that you can totally find info about um, HoneyLafleur.com. But Instagram is a great place. Love me some Instagram. Yes. Oh, same, same, same. Yeah. Um, okay, TikTok, great. Well, we like... will make sure. Oh, yes. TikTok would be a good medium for Just me. Just like a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll make sure to link all of those below. And yeah, thanks again for coming. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Creating Portland with me, Pearson Coons. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at CreatingPDX or on our website, CreatingPDX.com. This podcast was brought to you by Wolf and Thunder Productions and Golden Pride Productions. See you next time. Bye!